Hey guys, welcome to the Seven Figure Box Show. My name is Andrew Frezza, and in today's episode, you're gonna hear a conversation that I had with Nicole Race of Elevate St. Pete. Elevate is actually just across the coast from us in Florida. We're on the east coast of Florida in Jupiter, and she's on the west coast of Florida in St. Pete. And Elevate is a former CrossFit gym that is really uh, solidified its new brand as Elevate over the recent years and has done a tremendous job. And Nicole is someone that I admire and respect. I've never met her in person, but we've had one or two really good conversations in the past and I've heard her on other podcasts. And she's someone that really has this great combination of treating her gym like a real business and not being afraid to learn about and invest in things like sales and marketing, but also being heavily invested in the coaching side and the quality of the product and really invested in her members and the community as well. And Nicole started to work with other gym owners as well, which we talk about in the podcast a little bit, but she's definitely someone worth listening to and worth learning from. So enjoy today's episode. And as always, if you guys have any questions, reach out to me at andrew at fittown.com and I'll talk to you soon. months into this thing how's gym business going it's going very well um we've been very profitable i would say honestly we've gotten leaner um as far as fixed expenses variable expenses uh just because i feel like everything with the shutdown and the coronavirus gave us that permission to make a couple more of those cuts and you know cut the fat um you know, let go of some things that just weren't really serving us as a business. Mm-hmm. More as, you know, it's like I was holding on to some things. I had a couple too many classes on there that just weren't busy enough. I had a couple coaches that were taking on responsibilities that just really didn't need to be taken on by them. Um, so, you know, it's, it's really leaned us out even more so as a business and we're, we're more profitable. Um, we have been operating since May 18th. So... It's been going really well. Like, thankfully, our community and all of our members are, they trust us a ton. Um, They know that we have their best interest in mind. So they 100% just, you know, went along with everything that we have. We were so communicative over the shutdown, coming back after, you know, what were plans um, were when we, you know, we're going to open. And then we just constantly reiterated everything over and over again. So for us, I mean, it really was business as usual. Like as soon as we were open, we had, I would say maybe 20% of people when we first opened, probably that first month just kind of waited out to see. Um, but I have everybody back into the gym. I'd say I have less than 15 people on hold right now. Wow. Um, and That's that was, awesome. yeah, that was, that was big for us. So um, I've never had this many holds before, which is weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but I understand it. You know, some people, it's, they, they still are looking for work or they're, you know, they're, they're having to homeschool their kids for the first time and everything else, you know, that's happened and all the crazy changes that were kind of forced upon them. Um, they're still mm-hmm. trying to figure it out. So, and how yeah. many, like how, what, what membership numbers are you talking in terms of like, what's, what's your active numbers right now? Uh, right now, as far as paying recurring, we have just over 200. Uh, we were at, Pretty close to 240, I think, somewhere between 230 and 240. Um, and we were able to keep everybody, for the most part, uh, recurring over you know the closure. We were closed for I think it was 10 weeks, nine, nine or 10 weeks. 
and we just immediately pivoted everybody to online. So we were very careful in our messaging and we were very careful to say um, that we were just transitioning to online. We were transitioning to virtual. We really stayed away from the word closed, closure, you know, yeah. not operating. Like, you know, we just like put this really spot, like positive spin on it. Um, we were adapting our services to the needs of our clients and we just went above and beyond and it was all about accountability and really personalizing their home experience because i mean everybody went from you know working and having their kids in school to all of a sudden kids are at home they're working from home they've got a spouse at home or maybe spouse isn't working there's just so many layers of stress and complexity that were added to people's lives like really fast uh, so we really just focused on being there in any way that they needed us to be um, as far yeah. as mental and physical health. So we did really well. I was super proud of my team. I love, I love how you paid so much attention to the language and I think it's cool, like not just from a business perspective, yeah. but from the clients staying engaged and keeping up with their health over that time, that word pivot is like, is not, it's taking away some of that uh, that out for them to just stop yeah. doing what they're doing and thinking it might be a two or three week thing um, and, and keeping them engaged throughout. So I thought that, that's awesome. I mean, are you doing anything? Like, are you literally back to business as usual? Like nothing you're doing is remote based. It, that would be different um, from six months ago. Well, we have now an additional stream of revenue. So on top of, you know, we pivoted our clients to online when we were forced to close. Uh, we didn't speak about that. We just said, oh, no, everybody's online, everybody's virtual. You know, it's, it's work out from home, work from home time. Um, and so when we're able to provide in-person services again, there were still some people who wanted to take advantage of staying at home. You know, whether their drive was no longer convenient because they weren't going back into the office, they live 45 minutes away, but they worked or they did work, you know, 10 minutes around the corner from the gym. Uh, it just wasn't an option for them when we first opened. So we had quite a few people, I'd say for the first month and a half, um, continue with virtual. Some people were totally comfortable coming right back in. They were waiting, I mean, counting down the days for us to open our doors to come back into the gym. And then there are there quite a few people, I would say about 40 or so, that continued with either fully virtual and remote or did a combination of virtual excuse me, and um, in person. So they come in two, maybe three days, and they do two to three home workouts. Mm -hmm. So we did that hybrid option for quite a few people. Um, and we provided that hybrid option until I believe August 1st was when we cut off the hybrid option. And then we transitioned to, okay, you're either exclusively an online client um, and you know, we, we have a, a higher tiered service for that. It's more expensive, it's way more customized. So it's not just like, you know, pivoting their in-person membership to just, okay, we're providing workouts for you to do at home. Um, we did that initially just because it was what we felt like we needed to do to maintain our membership, to go above and beyond um, and not disrupt any revenue. But once we were able to really phase it out and say, okay, we've had enough time for you to transition and decide if you're comfortable coming back into the gym or not, or if it's even an option for you. And those that do want to continue to uh, work with us virtually, you know, they're on a, a higher level of service now. Um, but even since then, we were able to acquire new customers into our remote services. And so now that's another stream of revenue that we have, uh, which is great. And we're continuing to learn how to expand that, to get the messaging right for that. Um, 
because acquisition is a little bit different uh, when, you, when you're talking about getting online or remote clients. Uh, it's, it's, it's harder to sell, you know, over the phone. It's harder to sell over Zoom. It's, you know, those touch points aren't there. Like you don't get to see people. You don't get to touch them. You don't get to be with them in real life, you know. So keeping them engaged, holding them accountable, building that relationship is, it just takes more. It takes more touch points. So, um, but it's cool. It's kind of forced us to do that. Like I had thought over and over again throughout the years, I'm going to go online. I'm going to do virtual. I'm going to do remote, you know, and I did it kind of sporadically. Like I didn't have like a scalable system or program. I just had people that I had like moved away. Right. Or like friends or family members or friends of my family members that are like, Oh, you just, Nicole can work with you virtually, you know? So it's like, Oh, it's just this odd, you know, 10, maybe 20 people randomly that I would do uh, remote programming for, but never like a, a scalable service where we are actively acquiring customers, fulfilling on, you know, an online service. So now we have that and we're learning to get better and better at acquiring customers and uh, delivering on that, sending them into the longer term programs. Uh, but it's definitely different than in person for sure. Yeah. Um, let's go into that a little bit more. So what would you say is your ideal client online? And then what does the um, program look like from your standpoint? Are you, um, are you guys shooting any virtual workouts? Is it primarily written programming for someone who has a set of dumbbells? Is this mm -hmm. a new person, an experienced person? What does that, what does that look like? So what we have discovered is getting people into our online program with a shorter term program is, is easier um, as far as not selling people into like a 12 month long membership, right? So we like to get people on anywhere between an eight to 12 week program initially. And then we, you know, upsell them or downsell them, however you want to phrase it into a, you know, a long-term year uh, long commitment after that. And so we have, um, I, I honestly really just target women right now for online just because um, I feel like I'm stronger marketing to women. I feel like uh, it's easier for me to market to women. Um, I know their pain points more. They're just, it's a, it's an easier avatar for me. It's a lot more relatable. So we're targeting women online. Um, our kind of avatar is a, a busy kind of high performing woman or, or some, a woman who wants to be a high performer, right? So it's not necessarily dramatic weight loss or like this huge transformation. It's, uh, women who know they want and need to have fitness as a regular part of their routine. They do not have the time or the bandwidth or the experience to program for themselves, um, they want to get in great shape. They want to get strong, but they do not want to get hurt and they don't have two hours a day to work out. Um, so it's really about learning how to integrate fitness into their life based on whether they're working out at home, whether they're working out at a commercial gym, they have to have their three to five days of programming that's customized to their goals and their abilities. So if they have, you know, old injuries, mobility limitations, depending on what uh, equipment they have access to. We have several different programs all written up as far as shells or templates, and then we're just making modifications and changing to or changes to those, depending on like initial assessments and conversations. Um, so that's been a really great way for us to scale, you know, putting newer people into an online program, um, whether they start on Monday or Wednesday or Friday, you know, I can start everybody throughout the week and it's easy for us to tweak and uh, kind of tailor that shell, that template of a program for people based on some initial intake information. Are you using true coach to 
to run those programs or what are you yes. using next to you? Yeah, True Coach. Yeah, I'm exploring a couple uh, different options. Um, I want to find, True Coach is pretty cool, uh, but I could see how once we get, hopefully, a lot more people, it's going to become more expensive. Um, so I've experimented with Trainerize. Uh, there's some cool things about it, some, you know, things I'd like to change. Um, there's another program I heard about that Train Heroic um, I want to look into. So I don't know. I, I, I'm sure just like with CRMs and gym, you know, like membership minute, like there's plus and, you know, plus and negatives to all of it. So, um, but yeah, so far true coach is easy. Um, we've used it for a long time with all of our custom programming for our in-person clients and our weightlifters. So it's just a familiar program. I love the fact that it can like upload the videos on there and everything like that. Um, and do you incorporate lifestyle stuff into there or is this mainly focused yeah. on workouts? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we talk a lot about habits, uh, mindset, and we have a really big emphasis on um, habit-based goals and action-based goals mm -hmm. and not so much on outcome-based stuff. So, of course, you know, it's important to have that, that goal that you're going for, but we really focus on the things that are within their control that lead to the goal and the outcome. Uh, so we're focusing on stress management. We're focusing on drinking water and prioritizing sleep and eating, you know, enough food. Because uh, usually the women that we work with, they don't eat enough. Uh, that you know, they're taking on five or six things in their day, right? They've got their family, they've got their job, and you know, they have homeschool, right? They're taking care of their homes. They're trying to figure out, okay, and I know I need to work out. I get grumpy if I don't work out. I'm not as present as I should be as a mom if I'm not working out. You know, I don't feel good about myself. My, you know, my intimate relationship with my spouse goes down when I'm not taking care of myself. So um, it's really trying to teach them how to put themselves on their schedule and create boundaries. Um, that's something that we talk about a lot, especially for women. I feel like they often give away their time to everybody else. So we talk a lot about putting them on their schedule first, time blocking, creating boundaries, learning how to say no um, to other things and yes to themselves, for sure. Yeah. yeah, I find a lot of women, men too, but they just need permission to yeah. do the things that they know they should be doing because until, until a coach is saying, you need to do this, it doesn't feel like a priority. It feels selfish to them. And then once oh, yeah. the coach tells them to do it, it's like, okay, I'm actually, now it's a positive for me to do this thing instead of something that's taking away from other parts of my life, taking more time out of my day. Yeah. Um, do you just build that into true coach or how do you, um, how do you actually, you know, if someone has to drink more water, is, is sleeping really poorly. How do you actually keep them accountable to that? So we have a habit tracking sheet that we give to all of our clients and they either we encourage them to print it out honestly and like put it on their fridge put it somewhere where they see it all the time um, i'm just a big believer in pen and paper so for a lot of people like i mean as silly as it sounds adults love like sticker charts right like <laughs> we love sticker charts we love crossing stuff off of lists so a lot of our habit-based um trackers and logs are printable paper so we encourage them to print off this habit tracker where you know depending on what their habits are they they should be mastering at least at that time you know they're checking through okay did i drink my gallon of water did i get seven plus hours of sleep last night you know did i have um, a serving of vegetables at at least three of my meals today you know and depending on what it is you know visually they can see okay like what category am i doing really well at at the end of the week and then what is the category that's always blank that's always missing that check 
Um, and then what are the protocols that we need to put in place to ensure we get more check marks next week? Um, so we do that and that's just a very simple pen and paper and they text it to us at the end of the week, you know, or we ask, you know, halfway through if it's something that we know we're really trying to focus on, they were struggling with, let's say last week or a couple weeks prior. Hey, how is that tracker sheet looking? What's, you know, it's Wednesday, you know, have we made positive progress? Are, you know, are we in good momentum? If not, let's do it now. Let's not wait until next Monday, you know, to start again. Um, so a lot of number of habits that you like for clients. Um, you know, it just depends on what they, they have down. Really, it depends honestly on personality. So I feel like it has to do a lot with like type A versus someone who likes to go with a flow. Mm -hmm. So I kind of have these two extremes, at least within uh, a lot of the women that I work with. I have the type A who love spreadsheets. They love my fitness pal. They love macros. They love the Tetris. You know, they have calendars everywhere, right? They're super organized. And that makes them feel comfortable and control. Whereas I have another, you know, kind of opposite end of the spectrum. I have um, men and women, you know, I work primarily with women online who that freaks them out. You know, like you ask them to use my fitness pal, they're like, that's a headache. I feel like I'm failing. I can't do this. Therefore, you know, I'm not capable of reaching my goals. Um, so for someone who's like very type A, I give them more stuff to track and to do. Um, especially, it, I mean, really it just depends on how much they've already mastered in their life. But for someone, let's say like they're not eating well, they're exercising maybe for the first time in a while, you know, they don't drink enough water. I'll give them three like nutritional based things and then we'll do two movement goals. So that may be, okay, let's get your daily minimum steps up to, you know, 8K steps per day this week. And also let's aim for three workouts. And then as far as like the food and other lifestyle stuff, I really focus a lot on water, protein, and vegetables. So um, I'll go with the big ones. And those usually move the needle forward pretty quickly for people, especially if they're, you know, starting from, from ground zero. Nice. I love yeah. that. Mm -hmm. um, so said the gym's doing really well now, yeah. but you're also doing a lot more online. Do you feel sort of somewhat maxed out with the gym? I mean, you're just across the coast from us and, yeah. um, you know, we, we have smaller class caps in our classes and we already have classes that are capped and we could take on new members, but it doesn't, it's certain, we certainly feel that little bit of restriction in terms of like, we're not going to try to throw a bunch of Facebook ads out and do stuff like that yet for yeah. the in-person side. Are you limited in that or you still have room for growth there? Um, we still have room for growth. We were, we actually just pulled a couple of uh, our members, key players that we like to get feedback from to ask them about a couple different class times who may potentially add back to the schedule. So before we shut down, we had over 80 classes on the schedule per week. And those were a combination of two core styles of classes. So we had lift, which was barbell, strength training, almost like functional bodybuilding, hour long class. Um, you know, I mean, it's dumbbells, kettlebells. We had some finishers at the end, but it was a lot of just strength training, right? And then sweat, um, which had no barbell involved. It was like our, it is our signature hit class. Um, we do a lot of kettlebell, uh, a lot of slam ball, uh, a lot of dumbbell work, sled. How long are um, those classes? Sweat is 45 minutes and lift is an hour. 
Yeah. And so before we shut down, we pretty much had both of those running in parallel all day long, like 530, 630, 9, noon, 4.30. So it was both of those classes all day long, um, Saturdays and Sundays as well. And we found there were definitely, there are big trends where our lift class is actually more popular. Well, I guess certain times of the day, we were finding that 9 a.m. lift was always full and there was like maybe one or two sweat. And then noon, same thing. Noon lift was always full, one or two random people doing sweat, you know? And so there was, there were those times where I'm like, you know, I'm just kind of like wasting space. I'm, I'm wasting, um, you know, the human resource. Another, another coach, right? Another yeah, right. The payroll for that. Um, whereas, you know, maybe that coach could be doing personal training during that time instead of group. Um, so we cut, you know, a lot of the fat there as far as classes that weren't regularly attended or classes that we knew those people had the flexibility to attend other classes. Um, so that really helped out with, with cutting down revenue and things like that, or not revenue, sorry, uh, expenses. Um, but we don't feel like we're, we're maxed out quite yet in capacity. Um, our classes are capped right now in the peak times, but we haven't, we haven't gone full force on the acquisition that we usually do during this time of year. Like it's like very, you know, like last month, I think we acquired 25 new people. Um, and that was like, good. Like normally my goal is to get a minimum of 35 new people in the door every single month. And I'm like very aggressive about that. Yeah. Um, but last month, you know, just like doing word of mouth referrals, a little bit of, um, you know, more of like awareness, uh, top of funnel type of ads and things like that. Uh, we were able to acquire, I think it's 23 new people from last month, um, which is good, but it's not normally the aggressive pace that I go for just because I'm, I want to make sure that everybody feels comfortable. I want to make sure that there's enough space, equipment. Um, I don't feel capped out though. So, I mean, luckily you know, we have a full-time staff, which is great. So I think a lot of gym owners are feeling overwhelmed with not only the limitations that are placed on them by their government, but the fact that they're still doing a lot all by themselves as well. So, you know, they're doing the sales, they're doing the, the marketing, they're doing the social media, they're doing the classes, they're doing the PT, they're cleaning, you know, so that combined with just all the other stress of being a small business owner right now. <laughs> I can't imagine. Yeah. So. Um, so I wanted to ask you, I think we, one of the things we had talked about, it's been a little while since we talked, yeah. not podcast, but just separately. And I think you were trying to solve how to lay out your gym, right? Wasn't yeah. that the big question? How did, did you find something that worked? Cause you have one yeah. bit like square, right? Yes. You then wanted to run two simultaneous classes. So what have you learned from that and how, What's working in that? Well, what we ended up doing, our rig was kind of in the middle of our gym before this kind of split between lift and sweat and kind of figuring out how to run both classes in parallel. And so we realized once we were able to take the rig and put it all against one wall, that is where lift primarily spends their time. Um, and so really the gym is just cut in half where sweats on one side, lift is on the other. Um, and what we found, you know, getting very creative with programming, obviously they're both kind of programmed with equipment considerations on both sides and spacing that there are some days where lift is on the other side of the gym where they don't need the rig at all. You know, maybe they're doing deadlifts and some dumbbell accessory stuff. Whereas sweat is on the rig those days and that's where they're getting in their gymnastics, uh, their bar work. So it's, it's worked really well, to be honest. Um, the gym's kind of split in half right now. 
luckily everything's on wheels, you know, rowers, bikes, all that stuff is mobile, which is great. Um, how do you manage yeah. the noise and like the, uh, sort of the energy of the classes that might always might, might not always align? Yeah, that is, is the biggest challenge to be honest. It's the noise, it's the music. Um, but people just kind of got used to it. You know, like we're just very loud. We give instruction, we bring it in, we have people come in, you know, as close as they can with everything right now, you know, where we go over the board. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the honestly the, the hardest part is the music and the noise and the talking over each other. Sometimes it gets a little annoying, but I think the benefits um, far outweigh the challenges with that. And it's been really cool to see a lot of people kind of go back and forth between lift and sweat, you know, and they have the ability to see both workouts. They see the entire week's programming. So they're able to balance, you know, which classes they want to um, attend. Some people on certain days maybe do back to back lift and sweat or vice versa. Um, and they enjoy that balance, but it's cool to see, you know, some people that are like diehard sweaters and diehard lifters, like they'll never cross that boundary ever, but they're also very supportive, you know, so like lift will be, you know, sitting down, like resting in between their heavy squats, sitting on benches and they're screaming at sweat from across the room as they're on the rowers and stuff like that. So it's, it's really cool. It's, um, you know, we definitely have like their own little cultures. Like the sweaters are like, I mean, just all about hit right they, ha they have to feel like they're on the ground dying after every workout uh even though we know that's not always the goal right. uh, but they just love that burn you know they love the hard workout they can, you know they love to to sweat and uh there's some lifters that are like i never want to ever do that ever <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's, it's really cool now with that that sweat class is yeah. it is every day like like a hit or do you have days that become more more aerobic days or more yes. skill based or do you have yeah, that sure. or that CrossFit constantly varied kind of a a deal or do you do you really try to like keep it very specific like an orange theory would to to like try to have a specific type of stimulus almost every day. Yeah. Well, we, we mix up the stimulus just because like I mentioned earlier, there's some people who only do sweat. They'll never cross the line and do lift. And we know that. So because of that, we have to make sure that they're recovering adequately, uh, that they are getting some, um, just very, uh, dedicated strength work right and so there are days where it's um everything's two o'clock but there's days where it's a little more functional bodybuilding um mm -hmm. towards either imam style or we have you know like several different imams um will rest two to three minutes in between different stations depending on what it is and then there's some like monostructural days where like you're just doing rowing sprints or we're doing running sprints or you know whatever um, and then there's that classic hit, you know, where we're, we're going ham for 20 full minutes. Um, so we definitely vary the intensity and sweat. That's, that's really important. I think that if it were up to them, they would get their ass kicked every single day and cause they just love it. But we know better as coaches, <laughs> that's not necessarily healthy. So we have to control that stimulus. Um, and force them to slow down and force them to do more strength work versus, you know, the aerobic capacity stuff. Um, Cause with a class like that, it's super easy for the volume to oh, get, get out of the pot. You know, it's like, you're going fast. You're doing a lot of different movements. You're like, you know, a lot of repetitions. Um, so we have right. to even, watch even as, as low impact as a, or something like a row or a bike. Yeah. Might be, if you're just balls to the walls every day, combining with, you know, slam balls and burpees, like, the injuries are going to happen and you have oh, to yeah. start, 
Yeah. Yeah. I, honestly, I love for people to start and lift. So if they're not doing personal training, yeah. if they're joining the group, we really encourage, especially if someone's very out of shape and has been sedentary for a long time, we encourage them to do lift. Um, the reason is it's a slower paced class, mm -hmm. way lower volume as far as, you know, the movements that we have, um, it's just, it's easier to teach movement and lift because, you know, we're focused, like we usually do three pieces in lift. We have the main strength piece. We have some sort of superset, triset, whatever. And then we have a finisher and it's just so easy to focus on mastering movement. You know, like our first strength piece usually takes 15 to 18 minutes, you know? And so it allows really good conversation, connection, you know, really just getting back to the basics. I can really hammer an air squat or a goblet squat instead of, you know, a back squat, let's say if everybody else is doing that, where a sweat is, is tends to be so fast paced, you know, there's not a whole lot of room for skill acquisition. So if someone's a, a poor mover, um, they're dealing with current injuries, they're prone to injuries, they're really out of shape and deconditioned, they're better off, I think, safely building a, just a strength base, a movement base in a lift, and that transfers a lot better over to sweat. I 100% I agree. Um, I wonder, there's gotta be a lot of examples where it's tough to convince people of that because yes. they do think they need that, right? If they're coming in as a weight loss client, they mm -hmm. think they need that. So do you find yourself butting heads with a lot of clients? Like not you know, butting heads, but just having trouble getting yeah. them um, I think that when we put them on the in body and show them that they benefit from more muscle and we explain to them, you know, long term sustainable fat loss, we explain to them metabolism, we explain to them, um, you know, just the basics of eating more protein and getting stronger and how that lends itself to burning more calories. Uh, they usually trust us. Um, but that's the type of thing where, you know, to kind of feed that fix of high intensity. So, okay, take three lift classes per week and you can get in two sweats, you know, if you're, you're feeling recovered enough. Are you doing um, most of this, those intros and sales conversations yourself? I do not. No, no, I have uh, my manager. She does the majority of those. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but she's, um, she has her, her master's in exercise science. Um, she's just, all into the psychology and the mindset behind behavior change. So, you know, she can really dive into why people do the things they do and why they don't. Um, and really just focus on the small little mindset shifts for people. So we have a big emphasis on uh, strength training at my gym, even if it's in sweat, like people don't know it, but like they're doing really fast paced bodybuilding <laughs> for the most part. Uh, because we've just seen it be, you know, become so transformative for their health, for their metabolism, hormones. Um, you know, I mean, you know, the benefits just being a functional, capable person. Um, so we talk a lot about why we focus on strength. And after we have that conversation, get them on the in body, show them how fast paced potentially sweat can be, and that we want them to feel like they're winning. And we don't want them to feel discouraged when they're first starting their journey again, or maybe for the first time, um, I'd rather them feel like they're absolutely crushing lift and build that confidence to say, Oh my God, I can do this. This is easier than I thought. Maybe I'll venture over to, you know, to sweat or whatever, instead of doing something that's really, really hard and challenging. And we risk discouraging them, you know, even before they gain any type of momentum with us. How did um, you settle on these two classes? Cause I think, I mean, you were a CrossFit gym at one point. Yeah. And I think, 
like even though yeah we i can see the overlap you can see the overlap i'd say you right. straight pretty far from like the real traditional crossfit and the fact yeah. you really separated the two so mm -hmm. um, is this a is this the first iteration of it i'm sure there's evolutions inside the programs but is this essentially the first iteration of what you wanted to create yeah i think um well we are still a crossfit affiliate we had we had the desire for quite a few people to continue with the, the strength element of CrossFit, but they wanted nothing to do with Olympic weightlifting. They, I mean, they skipped snatch day. They hated it. They hate overhead squats. They don't want to do cleans. Jerks is a nightmare for them. Um, but they still wanted to squat. They still want to deadlift, right? And so we thought, okay, what if we make a, just a barbell-oriented class, and we called it power, and it was kind of like, you know, powerlifting a little bit with, with a little bit of um, functional, you know, conditioning. And so that kind of grew to become a popular little subgroup. Um, we had, I think, two class times on the schedule, four days per week. It started off very small. It was kind of like an experiment. And there was quite a, a draw to that. Um, a lot of people found that they were able to um, progress faster in that class because they didn't have to worry about skill acquisition. You know, they're like, oh, you know, I don't have the mobility for the snatch or, you know, I don't want to learn it. It scares the hell out of me. I just want to get stronger, you know, and, and push, pull, hinge, squat. So, uh, so they, they found that they were able to push themselves a little harder. They were able to get stronger faster because we took away a lot of that learning curve. Um, so that's when we realized like, okay, we definitely want to keep strength training as, as a, you know, a big foundational piece of our program, but we definitely know that we need to strip away a lot of the weightlifting uh, for general population, I would say. Mm -hmm. And so after we kind of experimented with that back and forth, um, we realized too that our CrossFit programming had started to change a lot. Uh, we were always doing one main lift and then a Metcon. Like that was kind of our, our, our traditional CrossFit programming. Um, and I started to, to, you know, just to dive into nutrition and body composition with so many people. I realized they needed more strength training. They needed to put on more muscle mass. We needed more volume with just lifting weights and maybe doing some isolation accessory stuff. We just didn't have the time. You know, it was like, all right, back squat and then Metcon is, you know, 21.59, blah, 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 right? It was just like... Yeah. I'm like, oh, I know you need more volume here. And so I was prescribing all these extra things and ancillary lifts and things like that for these people to do outside of class that I'm like, you know what? There are so many people who want just the lifting part, right? And they just love it. They want more lifting. They just want to lift heavy all the time. They want to just get strong. And then there are a lot of people that like, they could give two crafts, but the heavy back squat, they're saving it from the Metcon. Yeah. And so we're like, what if we just split the two things and have two different styles of classes and that's how Lift and Sweat was born. Uh, now we have, we're a USOF uh, club, so we have an Olympic weightlifting club. So, you know, that fulfills that snatch and clean and jerk desire. Um, if you want to be a weightlifter, you train there. If you want to just dabble in it, you can go on those platforms, it's fine. But Lift is devoid of all Olympic weightlifting. Sweat has no barbells. So Sweat is definitely in the Metcon, the conditioning element. Lift is like all lifting. It's really yeah. fun. It's so interesting because you have, it's, so many CrossFit gyms face that issue and not just yeah. CrossFit gyms, but all types of hit cross training type gyms where everyone, you know, the biggest complaint in any gym is going to be programming and music. Right. And programming, <laughs> yeah. the, 
there might be a lot of people complaining, but they're all complaining about different things, right? One person wants more strength, one person wants more Olympic lifting, the other one wants longer workouts, more cardio. And it's very, you're never gonna please everyone. And right. um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting how a lot of clients don't realize that their, their desires for programming are not other people's desires for programming. Yeah. And you right. guys just kind of took that and ran with it and said, okay, this is what you guys wanna focus on. You have each of those three parts separately and then we're going to find a way sort of under the radar to slip in some of the things that we know you need in addition to the thing you really want yeah it's been it's been really cool and it's it's great because people have you know different seasons in their life they have kind of different shifts of focus and so having those three core programs has allowed people to have a focus for a while. So, you know, let's say they're like, I'm just, you know, I don't really care about getting super strong right now. I just kind of want to take a, a break from barbell stuff. And they just, they do sweat for a couple weeks or even a couple months. Right. And they're like, all right, I'm ready to focus on getting strong. And I miss back squatting and deadlifting, you know, then I'll, I'll go do lift for a while, or I'll have a combination of both. Um, or, you know, a great way to start to really learn how to express that power is the sport of Olympic weightlifting, right? So it's like, okay, you have the foundational lifts down of lift, right? We know how to squat, we know how to press, you know, we're, we're getting strong with that basic coordination. Now we can add to that and make it more complex and, and you know, venture over to Olympic weightlifting. Uh, so there's some people that, you know, they do Olympic weightlifting, they do a couple sweat classes a week, or they do a couple lift classes. There's people that do both lift and sweat, but there's definitely like a core dedicated crew to lift and sweat. Um, and it's hilarious. Like they're just, they love it. Like we're, we're like our next t-shirt designs are going to be like, we're going to have sweatshirts and we're going to have lift shirts. Um, Cause they're just, they're diehard fans. Like it's everything that they've ever wanted and you know it's the people that say i never want to do card even though we slip in plenty of like you know terrible finishers and lift here and there uh it's never more than like 10 12 minutes you know so like that's a promise that we've always made you'll never do like a, a you know a 5k run ever in lift <laughs> 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 but they love it and it's been really cool um and it's never going to be perfect you know like you said there's always going to be somebody who complains and somebody who thinks they know what they want or what they should have um, but I, I feel like we've kind of provided the best of both worlds of strength and conditioning, and we've kind of allowed them to navigate based on their, their wants, but it's also allowed us to prescribe, um, you know, if they listen, of course, how much strength training they could be doing versus how much conditioning, you know, like yeah. I'd say for a lot of women, uh, especially the women that we work with, we get a lot of women over the age of 40. 40s and 50s, we get a lot of women like that. And I have found they have had a history of, of dieting, you know, a lot of dieting, a lot of cardio. Um, it's just been very stressful on their bodies. So for those women, you know, we talk about doing reverse dieting. We talk about nourishing themselves. We talk about incorporating more and more food. And with that, focusing on building a, a foundation. So they just do lift and they just focus on eating enough protein and calories and kind of, you know, rebuilding themselves again, which is great um, because they've spent so much time chasing the fatigue, chasing the cardio, you know, being on diets um, along with everything else in life that's super stressful for them. So, I mean, honestly, like there's many, many times in lift. So we have a 15 person cap in lift and it gets capped pretty often. There's a lot of times where it's 12 women and three guys. 
Like Lyft is dominated by women. It's the coolest thing. It makes me so happy every time I see it. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a lot of the women that we have is we really educate them and guide them on, on their long-term health and they end up doing Lyft more often than not. So yeah. have you had, have, have you seen it be an issue where uh, a lot of people want to do two classes in the same day? I mean, that's been an issue for us in the past, especially on weekends where people want to double up, they cap a class. It takes a spot from someone who's just trying to get their one workout in. Yeah. Um, we haven't had that happen. Um, those one-offs, you know, those, I always try to have just personal conversations with everybody just to, to nip it in the bud. Um, let's say, you know, if someone reserves, they don't show the class is capped. Um, I'm just going to have a, a personal interaction with them and, and they respect that. And it's usually, you know, they, they apologize. Um, I haven't had that. I think just in general, just discouraging people from, you know, not necessarily more is better, better is better, you know, so, <laughs> so you just need to eat better. You don't need to do two classes a day. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's an educational thing. It's, it's setting that, that standard from the beginning that they should trust our guidance and that we're not going to do them wrong. Everything that we do is in their best interest, at least, you know, from our heart. Um, so if we tell them that they, there's no reason to do two classes a day, they usually believe us. Um, they may try it here and there, and then they're quickly reminded as to why they should not be doing two back-to-back -back classes. Uh, we've got a couple people that do that a couple times per week, but they're under the age of 30, and they just don't realize that that's not going <laughs> to last. So I'm like, you know what? All right, I'm, I've said my piece. You're just going to have to deal with the consequences later, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I was another thing I thought back to from our original conversation was we were talking about different offers that we had run. Yeah, and I think that I had I talked to you about like, oh, this worked really well for us. I think I was saying like, oh, a two for 200 worked well for us, which was two months for 200. Yeah, whereas a two weeks for 20 didn't work quite as well because we got just as many, we got a lot more actually buy in on the two for 20, but a, a lot less people stuck around. Whereas at 200, right. we had pretty much the numbers we want and a lot of them stuck around because they, they had a more skin in the game. They actually used it and um, it was enough time for them to really see a breadth of what we do. Right. Welcome. And then through our conversation, one of the things that stuck with me is like, well, it's not, it's not just the offer, it's how you execute. And you had a lot of success with something similar to a two for 20. Yeah. And um, we're explaining your process. And I was like, okay, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. So um, do you want to talk a little bit about like some of those front end offers and how you ensure that um, that offer is actually successful? And it's not just about coming up with the idea of what the offer is. It's about everything that happens after that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think um, as a business owner, especially as a, as a gym, a micro gym owner, it's really important to develop the skill of creating a good offer. Um, because if you have a skill of learning to create a good offer, you know, you can, you can revamp your marketing, you know, you can revamp your acquisition process and you can kind of alternate offers just depending on the season or the time of year or what the need of your business is. So, um, I think that for some gyms, um, they, by mistake, lead with an LBO, a low barrier offer when they can't really afford to do so. So I think it starts with one, knowing your numbers like what 
you know, front end offer is going to best support your business, not only during the front end of acquiring new customers, but the back end, you know, like what can you afford? Can you afford to lose money on acquisition? Can you afford to break even? Or do you need to turn a profit right away, you know, and be able to not only cover the cost of acquiring that customer, but be able to finance acquiring, you know, the next one as you're starting to build up your, your recurring revenue. Um, so I've had success with both. Um, I let the numbers tell me and guide me instead of just going off of my feelings, which is so hard for gym owners because we started our business more than likely off of our feelings. And we somehow <laughs> sometimes forget that we can't run a business off our feelings. Um, so tracking the data, knowing your numbers is really important. Um, so there have been times where I have ran very successful LBOs, so like a 21 for 21, for example, or 28 for 28 days. Um, with something like that, it's really important to have those um, upfront conversations with people when they're starting their 20 for 21 and really talk about long term, really talk about, hey, we're just dating here. Like this is just our, our dating period where we're getting to know each other. But we are 100% looking to bring people into our family, into our business that are wanting to create a lifestyle. Like, I want you to understand that at the end of this, I absolutely need to work out at least three times per week. It's just going to be either with us or somebody else, right? And we just didn't do our job or maybe we're not a good fit if at the end of this 21 days, we're not the place. But you absolutely need to keep working out three, four times per week forever. Um, so really, I think managing expectations up front is, is really important. And that's, that's with getting any new client, right? I think you can't over communicate that stuff. I think it's important to one manage the expectation of the client. So like, this is what we expect from you. These are all the things you need to do in order to be really successful here. And then here are the things you can absolutely expect from us, right? And so we you know we both um, have buy in into this um, you know, relationship. We both have responsibilities. We both need to be held accountable to this. Um, and you know, at the end of this, this is the result you can expect. And so with LBOs and really any front end offer, I always sign people up on the back end automatically. So even if they're doing their, their first 21 days or, you know, let's say it's a 10 for 10, something like that, I automatically enroll them into a recurring membership afterwards. And that may, um, cause a little hesitation with, with some people. But again, you're just managing the expectation. Say, hey, if for whatever reason at the end of the 10 or 20 days, you feel like we're not a good fit or we feel like you're not a good fit, we'll just tear this up. But I know now that you are the type of person who is looking for a long-term, you know, sustainable lifestyle, um, you know, fitness routine. And that we're, you know, we're trying to prove to you that we are the place that you're going to spend, you know, the, one of the most important hours of your day. So LBOs are, are great um, if you can afford to run them. Um, I think that if you dive into the paid traffic, you know, Facebook ads, and you're not good at messaging, you're not good at marketing, and you also try to lead with an LBO, you're going to waste a lot of money. <laughs> you're going to get in trouble. Well, um, your, uh, your pricing has to be right in that yeah. post LBO. And I think a lot of gyms, their pricing isn't right. So yeah. they're they're sort of setting them up to just spin the hamster wheel even more because they're getting more people into it. And then when that person then is in month two, month three, month four, they're like, I'm not really profitable off this person. So I just need to get the nut, the next person in. And it right. just becomes this, this rat race where you're not getting anywhere. Whereas if you have a good 
month two pricing and beyond, then you can afford to lose some. As you mentioned, you might even want to, your goal might be to lose money in their month, in their first month or two, knowing that on average, you keep people for six months or more if they make it through the 21 days. Yeah. Yeah. If you're finding that, you know, you're able to attract people and get them into your doors, no big deal, but you have a hard time keeping them regardless of your offer. Well then, you know, you probably have a fulfillment or a delivery option or, um, you know, a dilemma, not necessarily an offer uh, problem. So it also sounds like, and I don't correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like you have this offer, but in order for someone to take advantage, they have to schedule a 30 to 60 minute consult with you yes. even to take their first class. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. So something that we avoid at all costs, which there are some people who they want to, you know, I just want to try a class first that, you know, it's like, okay, I understand that, but you probably don't know what you're looking for. And I don't let people just jump into our classes that, you know, frankly, I don't know anything about, right. I don't know if it's appropriate for you to join the group. I don't know anything about you, your injuries, limitations. Um, you know, a lot of our classes are capped. So I have 15 other individuals to look after in addition to this random one person and they may not be appropriate for the group setting anyway. So we schedule either a phone consult where we can really dive into some questions, their goals, their history, you know, uh, if they have any type of injuries or limitations, you know, anything like that. Um, or we get them in person. We have that conversation first and we make sure like, there are definitely some barriers to entry, even if it's an LBO, right? Even if the barrier as far as number, you know, money wise is low, we, we still want to make sure that we're selling people. That would be a good fit for our program. Right. Selling the wrong person just for the sake of making the transaction and making a sale hurts your business, right? It hurts your relationship. You're not going to be a good fit. It's going to hurt the experience for everybody else in class. You know, it just, it never works out. Well, yeah. Um, and that's where I think people could have heard your, your, um, the previous thing you mentioned, which is like, we, we have everybody on a recurring membership automatically and then it's on them to cancel, but it's not like you're just slapping that on there without them knowing you're saying, Hey, what program are, are you a good fit for? Like you're breaking that. You're not asking them that you're asking them about it. And then you're saying, you know what? I think you're a great fit for our lift program. I think you're yeah. a great fit for coming three days a week. I'm going to mm -hmm. put you on this three day a week membership for yeah. lift. And it's not like you're just slapping on a random membership. You're, prescribing that to them yeah. and that and it just happens to be this that they got this really good deal for the first 21 days that they still have a way to out if they uh decide otherwise yeah and i think we've all had those those couple people where you know they're they're in their first couple classes and we're like this is just not gonna work out you know like you just you know right and so yeah. I like those short term front end offers because it really is a dating period for both parties, right? Like you're like, all right, this person is just, you know, it's just not jiving with our, our culture. Yeah, anybody or, a message on dates? Yeah, they're not coachable you know, or whatever, right? So it's nice to have that temporary time. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so that's, you know, LBO is great. It can work. Um, you just need to have really good messaging on the front end and then I think it's important to have that that one-on-one -on -one conversation console to really manage all expectations between both parties and then have some sort of automatic enrollment into a long-term program, right? When you talk about that, you're upfront with your pricing. There's no surprises. It's a very transparent sales process. It doesn't feel yucky or gross or like they're being tricked. Um, I want to go back to the, you mentioned this client that like, just wants to try a free class. And it sounds yeah. like you guys are pretty black and white about that. Not many people, if any, slip through the cracks 
Right. Just like do that without some kind of an intro first, a conversation yeah. first. Um, we're very big on that. Um, and we make sure that we've had the conversations, we've asked the questions, they know enough about us. Uh, they know pricing as well. So, um, I mean, we, we try to be as transparent as, as possible with everything just because I appreciate, you know, having all the, the information um, before I, I commit to driving to somewhere and trying a service, you know. Um, but we found people that just lead with, well, I just want to try a free class and they don't really want to have the conversation. It never works out. It never yeah. works out that, you know, we're, I know I understand the thinking of a, of a gym owner. Um, where it's like, well, if I can just, you know, open up and just let everybody try a free class and I'll just sell itself. No, it's a really poor sales process. You, you really need to have those conversations and sit down and like get to know this person and ask them about their goals and their needs. And I mean, maybe they're better off doing one-on-one -on -one personal training. Maybe they're, they need, you know, they need some custom programming along with their, their group, you know, classes. So you just won't know until you're able to dive in with those people. Um, cause a lot of people think they know what they need, but they, they really don't. That's why they're coming to you. You know, yeah. that's why they're not where they want to be. So yeah, I mean, after those conversations, there are some times where people still don't, you know, they just really want to try that class and that's fine. I'm cool with it, but I've had the conversation. I know about them. They know about us. Expectations are managed. They know pricing, you know, it's not like they're going to try the class and afterwards, you know, like, so what do you think? You know, and you tell them the price, like, oh, that's more than planet fitness. You're like, yeah, what a waste of time for everybody. Yeah, yeah I've, all, I've, I've very much found, I agree with you, that person, if you let them just try the free class, so rarely does it work out. Yeah. And it's, not, it's not that the person's necessarily bad or the prescription's bad, because maybe it's the right person. Yeah. And they're, like, they're trying to sweat class and sweats the right program for them. Right. The right person with the wrong mindset and the wrong expectations is the wrong person. And sometimes just by having them slow down and forcing them to think about why they're coming in, it makes them a good client when otherwise if they had just tried that free class, and even though you would have came to the same conclusion that sweat was the right fit, because they had to think about their why and because they had to think about their goals and what it might take to get there, and they may see you as an expert to help, help them get there, but it just is a different result. And yeah, we've, like, we've moved completely away from the free class ourselves yeah. and something that was really hard for us to do because we love being able to tell our members yes when they said i want to bring my spouse i've been trying to convince them for three years right come, finally wants to come in yeah and we're like great we'll, we'll have a conversation with them this will be great <laughs> yeah no i i understand it. it's hard especially like you're saying you know your members are so excited right and they're like oh my god i finally have the opportunity they're going to come in and they just and of course there's there are off times where all of a sudden the person just shows up, right? Five minutes before class is going to start. And I'm not going to turn them away, but I'm also like, all right, we definitely need to have a conversation afterwards. <laughs> um, well, sometimes so, yeah. we'll do, like, we have a pretty decent staff. I don't have a lot of hours in the schedule, so I'll be like, great, I'll do an intro with you. Yeah, right. My, yep. my uh, manager, Melissa, she'll do an intro with you. Like, we have the time, you can watch a class. Yeah. You can still get what you came for, or at least some version of what you came for. Right. But we'll, we'll do that class in the future. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's, I guess that's one variation of an LBO. It's like a free class or free trial, but you know, regardless of that free trial, you definitely have to have that, that console, that sales conversation. And I think it's really important for both parties. What, what do you guys use? We use Uplaunch now. We've, that's actually helped us like 
Uplaunch helped us put into place what we have always been trying to do, which is that like conversation with everybody. Do you, what do yeah. you use for that? Uh, we use what's called the gym solution. Um, it's actually like kind of a proprietary thing we put together over the years of having used uh, a million different CRMs and duct taping things together with Zapier. Uh, so for us, it integrates, like we have funnels we can build on there. Uh, we do texting, we do, you know, videos, we have membership sites on there. So like we have a lot of different uh, member portals, depending on what program the person is in. They have access to like video modules and libraries and PDFs. Um, so yeah, I mean, having some sort of dedicated software where you can schedule consults, where you can schedule check-ins with people, where you can send out, you know, text reminders, where you can also, you know, have various forms of communication like email, right? Like following up with leads, you know, and following up with existing members and maybe, you know, older leads, reactivating your list and things like that. Um, we use all of it, but I think that nothing beats getting on the phone and just calling and talking to people, yeah. you know, and then trying to get them in the door. Um, I know that's one of the hardest things because there's just so many things that distract people nowadays. You know, it's like they may... You may be on their mind and they may have heard of you a couple times and, you know, let's say like their coworker is one of your, you know, raving clients of a, of a, of a member, but, um, you know, life happens, right? Like they've got kids, they've got a job and, you know, things are distracting. So just continuing to follow up, I think is really important. And we do a lot of phone calls. We do a lot of texts. Um, yeah, we schedule a lot of reminders for our staff to then follow up with that person later, you know, so they don't slip through the cracks. Um, we make sure that we keep nurturing our leads even beyond that first, you know, five, seven, eight days of after them opting in. You know, like we keep nurturing them with content. We keep nurturing them with opportunities here and there, whether that's through text or emails, retargeting them with content. Um, yeah, we just try to hit them with all angles as often as possible. Um, do you have a few more minutes? I know. Yeah, I'm good. Cool. Sure. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about, I know you're starting to work with gym owners now, right? You're starting yeah. to um, get into sort of more of the mentorship space or just talk a little bit about like, what, what are you doing? Who are you trying to help and um, what kind of like niche or, or value are you trying to kind of bring to the, the gym owner market? Sure. So the brand, the company we started is called The Gym Solution. Um, and I have a partnership with a couple other guys. And um, what's cool about our partnership is we all have, outside of being successful gym owners, we all have professional um, experience outside of gym ownership. So we have a lot of digital marketing. Uh, we have just diverse sales backgrounds. We've got, um, you know, tech and, um, you know, engineering and things like that. So our powers combined, we're able to kind of cover um, a lot of the, the core skill sets that a business owner would need to master their own business. You know, so we focus on a combination of, all right, what is the messaging that we need to attract your ideal customer? So we need to kind of hone in on that avatar, your brand, your culture. Um, we need to identify, you know, what makes you different in your marketplace. We need to hone in on all the content that is necessary to communicate that to different people at different stages of the buying cycle. And then we need to hone in on, okay, what is, what's the offer that we're going to create to attract those buyers, depending on where they are in the, in the buyer cycle. Um, and then, okay, 
we have the lead, what do we do with it, right? We need to develop a, a lead nurture system, a sales process, you know, and obviously the, the fulfillment delivery. So what we've really tried to hone in on is to empower gym owners with the skill set necessary that they can develop these things on their own. So we help them, we have frameworks, we have some templates, um, but I want gym owners to really become comfortable drafting and creating their own offers. I want them to be comfortable running their own ads. I want them to be comfortable, you know, honing in on that sales process uh, because those are all things that will continue. They'll need to keep changing, you know, like as the market shifts, you'll need to adapt, right. And change your offer. Um, as your services change, your sales process may need to, you know, change um, as you introduce a new program or there's more relevant information uh, that you need to communicate. You need to know how to put together a social media strategy, right. And how to get those important messages in front of the right people. So we really focus on, we have a combination of courses and then, you know, mentor led coaches as well. So we, we can add accountability to those courseworks um, if needed. But for, for now, we focused a lot on marketing, uh, a lot on acquisition, lead generation, creating offers. We are starting to dive into developing um, team building. So how to hire a team, how to onboard a team, how to train a team, how to ascend yourself as a gym owner, you know, up into your business. So you're not doing so many day-to-day -day roles and responsibilities. So you can become a true, you know, operator, owner of the business. Um, and not coach all the classes and clean all the floors and do all the day-to-day. -day. Um, so yeah, we're, we're starting to evolve our services and it's it's been challenging, right? Because the gym owner, I mean, the industry has been just yeah. destroyed, you know? I, I, honestly, I think more so mentally than it, literally. I think a lot of these businesses, I think they were probably hurting, you know, before COVID. Um, I think COVID definitely amplified a lot of deficits um, in some of these businesses and it really exposed how much of an emergency they were in before COVID as far as, you know, not having enough, um, you know, recurring revenue, right? Their profit margins, if they were even profitable, um, they're not paying themselves, they don't have staff or they're not able to provide enough um, incentive to have their staff stay and grow within their company. And so I think that COVID just kind of exposed all those things um, and just <laughs> made everything more of an emergency for people. And so a lot of gym owners, they're, they're still kind of paralyzed. You know, they're, they're stuck. They're, they're able to operate again, maybe, maybe at full capacity, maybe at half, but they're limited, right? They're not, they don't know what's going to happen next month. They're, they're really not sure. So um, I think the industry is really shaken right now. I think that it was uh, very scary for a lot of gym owners to have the government shut our business down, which is crazy. And if you didn't have that solid foundation of clients, you know, if you didn't have the skill to pivot to online or the staff to support such a thing, um, you know, I mean, that could, that could be it for you. So unfortunately I think that more small business owners in general are going to have a harder time as we reopen. Um, I think a lot of them were able to make it through the shutdown, but I think it's going to be the quarter or two quarters after they're up and running again, where those operating expenses are going to go right back up, but revenue is not necessarily going to be there. Um, so it, it may be, you know, a, a time where they have to decide, okay, am I going to continue to, to go through this or, you know, what is it that I need to change to make some, some radical changes 
um, to grow faster because that slow stagnant growth of just you know provide awesome programming and having a good coaching experience and just relying on your members bringing in their friends is not going to cut it anymore you know it's just not it's not enough it's not fast enough it wasn't enough before it's certainly not going to be enough now after you've lost you know a chunk of your your revenue or your clientele from you know the coronavirus and everything so um, yeah, we, we focus on teaching gym owners skills and it's, it's hard because some small business owners, they don't want to learn this skill. They want you to do it for them. You know, they're like, give me the button, give me the thing. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I have a couple buttons, but they're buttons that have worked for me, but I've also had to evolve them and change them over time. I need you to learn the skill set of creating your own process to creating your own offers to learn how to, to sell anything, regardless if it's a high ticket, mid ticket, low ticket, just the skill of selling, you know, that the skill of, of building a team and creating repeatable process in your business and, and scaling uh, services. So we focus a lot on teaching skills. Uh, we mentor, you know, we, we provide a lot of support and accountability along the way. Uh, but it's been tough for the past couple of months. There's a lot of hesitation around investing in coaching or business development in the, uh, the gym owner space. You know, there's a lot of uncertainty in their business. Um, and I still think that a lot of gym owners have a broken mindset around money. Um, I think now more than ever, some of them are even more terrified to raise their prices when they should have raised their prices months ago. Now they're like, yeah, but I don't know, you know, is everybody going to leave me if I raise prices? It's like, you, you don't have a choice. Um, so I kind of mentioned that earlier is, you know, I think a lot of gym owners got into owning a gym because of their feelings, right? They, they had a love, a passion for fitness. They had a love and passion for helping others. And that is probably one of the worst ways you can run your business by your feelings. <laughs> and so you have to learn how to shift that mindset to, you know, objectively looking at your business, look at the numbers. Does it make sense? Does it add up? You know, what are the hard decisions that I have to make? What are the hard conversations that I have to have? Um, Cause that is your job. You know, like at the end of the day, it's all on you, whether you're doing well or not, you know, whether you have a team or not, whether your team is, is performing well or not, like it's all on you. So um, I think there are just some fundamental business skills that a lot of gym owners still lack. Um, I feel like some business, some gym owners just feel like they have unicorn businesses and that that basic business principles just don't apply to their gym because it's a gym. Right. Like, no, you still have to have, <laughs> you know, lead, <laughs> you know, uh, um, you still have to acquire leads. You still have to acquire new customers, you know, like, Cash is the lifeline of any business, so you still have to make a you know a certain number of sales every month, and then um, you know there's just some basic fundamentals. I feel like some gym owners they just won't come to terms with. You know they they think that uh, no, but owning a gym is different. Like no, it's not. It's the same as any other you know business where you, you know you have your your core functions and they all need to operate and they all need to be tended to. Um, so I don't know. It's it's been interesting. Um, I've found that there are, a, I would say, less this, less gym owners um, that are like me than I thought. I, I figured that most gym owners, because they're 
business owners, they're entrepreneurs, they're hardworking, they would be a little more growth minded than I thought. Um, but some of them are very stuck in their ways. They're, 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 they operate from a scarcity mindset. They're scared to make decisions. They're scared to swing the bat and potentially fail. They're scared to make changes, even though they know they definitely need to make them. They have no choice. Um, and some of them were totally okay with just struggling forever, you know, just not making any money. Um, their lifestyle is, is super stressful. They have no time for themselves, their families. Uh, but they just keep telling themselves that it's okay because they're changing lives. I'm like, you know, but you're miserable, you know, like this doesn't really serve you. So I've had a lot of hard conversations with gym owners. Like, honestly, I thought I would run into more gym owners who are, wanting to make those changes. They just didn't really know how to do it. And I've, I've honestly run into the, the opposite end where, no, I don't need to really make these changes. You know, like I'm broke, my business is upside down. I have no time for myself or my family, but I don't need to change. This is just how it is. This is just what being a gym owner is. And I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not. And so. Eventually that, that will hit a wall where yeah. they're no longer gonna do it. Right. It might be in a year, it might be in five years, it might be in 10 years. And then they're essentially helping no one. Right. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 I mean, I'm, I'm guilty as anybody of, of running business on feelings. Yeah, of course, of course. Kind of learning to reassociate those feelings with a different type of outlook versus just like the one person in your mind that's going to be resistant to this next decision you're going to make. Right. right. Yeah. That, uh, a very do. loud minority, you know, the, the seven people that you label of everyone, you know, what everybody's going to think. <laughs> there's so many, like, no, it's four people. It's four yeah. people. <laughs> yeah, that's a great, that's a great point. A, a good uh, exercise for anybody whenever they find themselves saying everyone is like to actually mm -hmm. list the, the people it is and put a number to it. Oh man, that's a, that's a big thing we have with our staff. So we have a rule. You're not allowed to... Uh, present issues or problems without also providing some sort of you know solution to that or you know potential solution so like don't just like come to me with like oh well someone said something like okay well is this just like are you just going to throw it on my lap and I you know I have to solve it or are we going to collaborate here so but another one of those um, kind of core values we have as a team is to not make generalizations, you know, so like everybody all the time, never, you know, like we go, okay, hang on. What do you mean? Everybody said X, you know, and then it comes down to it and it was like three people, you know? So it's like, okay, well, we have over 200. So <laughs> you may spend a lot of time with those three people at the 5:30 PM class, but that is not everybody. <laughs> so, One of the things that I always remind myself is, is it a problem or is it a preference? Is yeah. It right problem that needs to be solved or is it just someone's preference that they would you know like like most programming stuff is every once in a while you get a true sure. uh, problem or something that can be improved but most time it's just the preference yep like oh cool good idea anyways <laughs> oh, well thanks for taking the time nicole um yeah. I enjoyed talking to you again and um is there anything else you want to share and you can let people know like where they can find you if they want to connect with you about the gym solution or, or elevate? 
Yeah. Um, so you can find me, Nicole underscore race underscore, uh, no H Nicole. That's uh, me on Instagram. Um, I love to connect with gym owners there. If you guys have any questions, just shoot me a DM there. And then if you want, you can join our Facebook group, which is the micro gym collective. Uh, we only let brick and mortar gym owners in. So if you're, you know, an online trainer, not in, um, we vet the people that try to get into that group very closely. Uh, because we want to keep it to present brick-and-mortar gym owners who are dealing with present issues um, and who want to to learn and collaborate with others. So um, our Facebook group is very much about um, high-level and tactical stuff as far as the business side. Um, there have been some other gym owner groups I've been part of, you know, where they talk about equipment. It's like we don't – it's not about that. Like we're talking about, you know, the business side of things. About. <laughs> yeah, we're like, okay, I don't care where you want to hang your jump ropes. I'm not interested in talking about that. <laughs> um, but it's definitely a collective. Uh, we encourage, um, you know, sharing and helping each other out and networking as much as possible. Uh, we talk a lot about branding. We talk a lot about messaging. I do virtual workshops in that group all the time. Um, we're really big on messaging because I feel like if you could fix your messaging and get really clear on who you are and then how to speak to that ideal client of yours, it answers so many questions that, that gym owners have as far as, you know, what type of offer do I create? Okay, well, who are you as a business? Who is your avatar? How do we bridge the gap between those two and how do we communicate to them? You know, what type of social media should I have? Well, we need to get very clear on your customer, what their needs are, what their desires are, what, you know, um, you know, I mean, all so many things like, like advertisements, like what do I do for my ads? You need to get very clear in your message. You know, so it's all this foundational thing that we, we kind of, you know, hit home with over and over and over again, getting clear on messaging, uh, becoming a good copywriter which I think sounds very scary to most people, but it's just, it's just learning how to speak to people. Like that's all it is. It's just your words. And I think a lot of people think copywriting is like writing formal, like I'm writing for a newspaper. Like, no copy is just like conversational, you know, back and forth. Like you're just joining the conversation that's happening in their head. Right. Um, so we talk a lot about that. That's kind of our thing is messaging, branding, content, copy, and then everything else tends to fall in place with frameworks after that. So, nice, I love it. Yeah, well, thanks, thanks again for having me. I yeah. appreciate it. Hopefully, it'll be uh, not so long before the next conversation.